to get back in the closet. I'm telling you, the health department doesn't allow people to keep leprechauns. It, 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 this this is what that what that cowboy said to me. Lips, peckers, and assholes—they're all you're gonna meet along the way. Lips, peckers, and assholes. Society gets worse every single goddamn day. Welcome. No, not to the jungle. To the Pure Meat, Pure Gold Show with your host, Alex P. Linder. And you know that our starter song is the first cut off my album, Century, which will establish a new genre, a subgenre I call Cynical Country. But folks, I have a treat for you today. I have been due to events beyond my control and here I allude in tone I hearken back to a wonderful movie of yore a documentary about about nerds it was called Revenge of the Nerds and part of being a nerd is having nasty things inflicted upon you and the powers that be do this and then they say well our dorm burned down due to faulty wiring which was a blatant lie in the movie, a blatant lie. But in my case, I really was offline for two full days, pretty much, because apparently the squirrels are chewing up all the cable around here. So whatever, that's prefatory. The The point of what I'm saying is I used the time that I had to try to overcome a character flaw, which is, you know, I proceed doing what I intend to do, and then one little thing gets in my way, and I got angry. Like say, say it's even the smallest thing. I'll go into just a tiny discursus here, but I've got something. I've got folks got a real, real treat for you coming up. It's a brand new song I wrote during the two day two days I was in the in the internet desert when I had no internet and I was forced to rely upon my own resources just to stay alive. And during that time I wrote two good songs. And normally it's it's interesting. I've never written songs in my life. I always thought I could do it, but I never had any particular interest in it because I was interested in writing. But this is the first song I've ever actually completed. I may even add more verses, but I think it's pretty good now as it is. But the first song I've ever actually completed, normally I think in terms of refrains, I read a, a very interesting thing from a songwriter once, and she said, you can do whatever you want in the verses as long as you give them a good melodic hook. That's what people, they want the candy. They want the ear candy. They want the gorgeous, flowing, mellifluous sound. And I agree. I'm, I'm very much of the people in that regard. And when I write songs, I try to incorporate valid ideas and good melodies. Because Sentry is not about intellectualizing noise. That's what Schoenfeld and the 12 Stone, uh, John Cage, actually a guy who went to the same university I did, is part of that modernist music, that, uh, a.k.a. music that no one wants to listen to which is the equivalent to the modernist art which is non-representational there's no humans hence no interest in it hence it's purely flat and decorative and that's supposedly betokened some greater meaning but of course the public doesn't like that i don't like it either think of mondrian and the, the reds okay well he even has color you could even do less than that do white on white paintings 
No, when you do music, you want to do something people want to listen to. When you do writing, you you may educate people, but you also want to entertain them. You know, you know the idea that you know a little bit of sugar helps the medicine go down. But then again, who considers learning medicine? We all want to learn things, don't we? We need to know things. We want to learn things. We want to know everything if we possibly could. I always have. I wish I knew everything. Not knowing stuff will cause a lot of problems a lot of times. Anyway, the point is I wrote a, I wrote a good song. I'm going to sing it for you very shortly. We'll start off with that, and then we'll get into uh, the recent affair in, in Kansas City. But the song relates to the affair in Kansas City. It's about loyalty. It's about faith. Do you really believe what you say you believe, or is it just some words? Or are you willing to live by it, die by it, go to prison for it? stand behind you know and those are those are the most dramatic being a little drama queenie there because those aren't the ordinary things but ordinary are you willing to say what you believe to other people you know these are important matters but anyhow uh let's let me say though that uh even though I was kicked offline, I still wrote my uh, on language column. It's now posted. You can find it in all the usual spots, and I tweeted it out. Follow me on Twitter at AlexLender5, and you get all the stuff. Later today, I'm going to form up my first on strategy column. It's already written, but I never did get around to uh, formally posting it as an article. And let's see. Okay, and so so my first album is going to be Century, Cynical Country, Introduction to Cynical Country. My second album, I already have a title for it. It's going to be called Country with the Cunt Left In. And it's going to be about the negative part of women, the part that is amputated from controlled plastic Keith Urban-style modern country, which is nothing but placating, appeasing, and catering to women and thus has lost a good portion of it of its uh potential power women can be evil too i mean shallow evil but still evil and uh, you need to reflect the entire experience we have in this world through music or it it, uh, it 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 loses something country music is for mature people who've suffered a little bit emotionally or in relationships or just through the course of living as we all have we all encounter frustrations and physical difficulties and and difficulties with other people and we all you know we all lose options or maybe we go the wrong way or things happen that we can't recover from or we wish we'd made other choices and that that can all be reflected in art Anyway, anyway, my general, I like to, you know, talk and theorize about stuff. My general approach comes from me, Michael Jones, and make your own music. You know, and if you can't come up with melodies, steal someone else's melodies and write your own words. That's perfectly valid. He did a wonderful song. He's, he's a very warbly singer, but uh, he warbles through 17 or 20 songs. It's a great road CD that he did. I forget the name of it, but uh, he makes fun of MTV. He just uses traditional melodies, of which there are a million, and traditional American or like Celtic, uh, Celtic uh, songs. And I think it should always be pronounced Celtic rather than Celtic. Celtic is like a Germanic, uh, Germanic pronunciation that doesn't really fit the spirit, in in my opinion, of the Celtic. Even if it's more technically accurate, 
Celtic sounds better than Celtic. The German, the German is more the hard K, and it fits more the uh, the the tone and the delivery, the production, throughout production of the language is sort of a clip and clear, clip und klar. Celtic is more sinuous, more curvy, more filigreed, if you will, more more subtle in a way, more suggestive, right? And then if you want, like. You know, if if you want the equivalent of like a hand smacking a TV to get the thing to work right, that's more your German. That's the, these are the different feels, and these are only two of a million diverse white languages, and I'm sure they all have something. Even the ones I don't know about, like Serbo-Croatian, I'm sure has its elements and its its approaches that that's valid, and you can pick it up from the tone. You just the tone alone conveys a lot about how people think. Anyway, can I sing you my song? Well, you know what? Since it's my podcast, I can. That's what we're going to do now, and then we'll go into the material. And this is not going to be a super long show because there's a lot going on. I've been offline a couple of days, and I'm still not caught up. Even even my sleep got messed up by this Internet crap. And my Internet may well go out again because I was having – which I've never had. I've had it go out and come back, but I've never had download problems like I had yesterday where I was, like, you know, through a coffee straw for the middle part of the day. Again, forcing me to stay up later than I intended, but – uh. It's all about not getting blocked and getting the job done. Now that I got my energy back 100%, I get a, I'm going to get a lot of writing done. I'm even fit enough to have feuds with people like Greg Johnson, and I enjoy that because I don't consider Johnson fundamentally corrupt the way I do Griffin and other people I simply have no truck with. But uh, he's he's made some missteps, and he has the wrong strategy, and I've outlined that on the thread. The, the main thread r- related to Glenn Miller and these shootings that he allegedly carried out in uh, somewhere around Kansas City, I think it was. I'm not sure the actual city, but somewhere in the KC area. We'll get into that in a bit, but first I'm going to sing a song. This is a song about snakes and faith, and I know you're going to like it. Put down your rake, pick up a snake, now give that snake a healthy shake. Yes, shake a snake for Jesus, my friends, my friends. Oh, shake a snake for Jesus, my friends. If it's got coils and you've got hands for this small act, no need to make amends. Yes, shake a snake for Jesus, my friends, my friends. Shake a snake for Jesus, my friends. Timber rattler, cotton mouth, well, my blood pressure's headed south. A king snake or a corn snake just won't do to satisfy the Lord divine. A poison snake's the only kind to demonstrate your faith is pure, clean through. So shake a snake for Jesus, my friends, my friends. Yes, shake a snake for Jesus, my friends. They lie upon the dusty ground, and yet they never let us down. So make your hands a helping hoisting zoo. The Lord won't bite, so why do you think different? His pit viper fool. So shake a snake for Jesus, my friends, my friends. Just lift and raise and elevate and praise and even ululate. Yes, shake a snake for Jesus, forever, ever, ever loving Jesus. Yes, shake a snake for Jesus, my friends. All right, that was uh, that was shake a snake for Jesus, yeah. And I, you know, I'm I moved. You, you know how I feel about Jesus. You know, I'm not a big fan of the Jesus cult, the Jebus cult, as I call it, since he was a fictional character. I don't. But now I understand why I always say great art is inseparable 
from Christianity, from great religion. Now, personally, I've always observed that Mencken's an atheist. Now, he's as great an artist as you're ever going to find anywhere. Twain is as great an artist as you're going to find. Twain, born not, not, not even 60, 70 miles from where I broadcast this. I've always been proud to live in a state with a great writer like Baltimore. When I lived around uh, in, in Maryland or D.C., that's where Mencken's from. And uh, live in, uh, in Missouri where uh, Twain's from. you got to be proud of that, I think. Anyway, so that will be the second cut off my new century album shake a snake for jesus and i will be doing different renditions of it from time to time i'm like i said i might even add a verse or two if i feel inspired but that really is pretty good as it is i think and uh i got another song that i wrote but i'm not going to sing it in this one this this will do for now now we want to look at uh we want to look at uh, the the song "Shake a Snake for Jesus" is dedicated to Jamie Coots. This was the guy you may rec- you probably won't recall the name, but you'll recall the story. He's the guy who's one of these snake shakers. You know, they generally hail from Appalachia, from Kentucky or Tennessee, and they shake snakes because of some Bible verse that you know, drinking poison like strychnine and and uh, waving poisonous snakes around proves their their faith and so he this pastor got bitten by a snake he didn't do anything he didn't get any medical attention and he died from it now he'd been bitten before and not died but this time he died so they by their way of thinking well that's what god wants that's his plan we demonstrate our faith whether we live or die so my song was dedicated to this man's memory jamie coots because even though I think his beliefs are wrong and ridiculous, I believe that he actually believed them and lived by them. And that to me means something. I respect people who say, I, these are my beliefs, and then actually live by them and back them up. Most Christians aren't like that. Amish are like that. Mormons tend to be like that. But uh, other Christians, no. They, they, it's, just, it's just most Christians can't even explain their beliefs, let alone live by them. So one, one can't respect them. And then you have people across the South who are, there's damn Yankees, and they hate Washington, and then they join the military. And they're taking checks from their worst enemy to go out and do to other people, other innocent people, the same thing they object to when the Yankees did it to them. Uh, so, so you were right about the Yankees and what they did. They didn't live up to the original contract signed by the states they cheated and the fact that they won through sheer power doesn't mean that they're right it just means that they were uh, that uh, power ultimately tells and paper doesn't protect itself god stands by in fact that's another that's the fourth song off my album that's not completed but i've i've got it underway it's it's all about well i won't tell you that'll it'll be a surprise i'll just spring these on you as a delightful addition to incredibly intelligent stuff that's cascading out of my lips making everyone who listens to it smart all life emanates from the soil Gordon. that's the sun giving us our gifts it emanates all that's left is the life-giving juice not just anyone's shorts Gordy. they're mine but uh we always try you know again we all need people to be inspired by and jim carrey inspires me 
especially in his character, his persona of the, the pitchman for the juice weasel. But you know that. Anyway, let's look at our little story here. I've got a, I've got a link I'll, I'll maybe post on the podcast. But Jamie Coots, a snake-handling Kentucky pastor who appeared on the National Geographic television reality show Snake Salvation, died Saturday after being bitten by a snake. So... This is from uh, February 16th, so this is uh, almost exactly two months ago. Coots was handling a rattlesnake during a Saturday night service at his full gospel tabernacle in Jesus' Name Church in Middlesbrough. Boy, it's just like something out of a Meccan essay about uh, William, William Jennings Bryan, isn't it? If you've never read those essays, look them up. They were the ones uh, that during the uh, the famous Scopes trial, the monkey trial, Meccan... Uh, wrote just devastating descriptions of the the people of hill as i like to to call them after the the people of color just to mock them and because of the delicious coincidence that the guy who's the head of the league of the south i.e the losers is named michael hill how funny is that begging to be mocked as as people of hill or aka hill people but i i think it's Am I the only one who understands what I'm saying here? Why it's so funny to call them people of Hill? Hey, everybody deserves their fair share of abuse. I'm just here to see that it's all parceled out, including the parties that are usually exempt and think they're above and beyond and incapable of being criticized because they're so holy or perfect. Anyway, everyone makes fun of snake shakers. Why not? That's why God created them. They just aren't in on the joke. But uh, anyway... My song was dedicated to Jamie Coots, and it was a serious tribute to at least Jamie Coots believes his own bullshit. Do you believe your own bullshit? I believe my own bullshit. I live, I, I, I live, and I'm not saying I don't. I fail at plenty of things, terrible failures, but I, I'm always doing the best I can to live the way that I say that I, I believe that I should live and that I believe are, are good, solid ways of living for all whites because they're, they're, uh, they just fit us racially. I mean, they probably fit a lot of non-whites too, but uh, in, in personal life, what the Greeks said remains true, everything in moderation. You know, uh, all, not too many things are genuinely bad in themselves. It, it's more a matter of degree. You know, if you drink a beer or two that's not that big of a deal if you get drunk every single day that you're, you're wrecking your body right and and how many things are not like that a fire inside a circle of stones can provide heat and light and, and a cooking place but a fire outside of those stones can burn down everything in creation you see and, and most things are like that some things in the in a in a you know even most poisons even most things that are actually bad it's more a matter of concentration than anything. You can kill yourself by drinking too much water. Does that mean that water is inherently poisonous and dangerous? No. It means you need to moderate your consumption of water as you would with anything else in relation to the physical requirements of your plant, your corporeal body, your, your physical being, right? You've got to use your head to figure this stuff out. Use reality to provide a feedback loop to show you when you're doing it wrong. And here, here's a special thing that a lot of people will 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 miss or not take to heart. And it's something I learned from Eric Thompson. See, we all can learn from other people. 
and even the idea that we can learn from other people and just how powerful that is really didn't get through to me until, and that reminds me, I still haven't done the damn epiphanies thread. Jesus, I have not got to that yet. I have to get to that. I've been collecting, remembering all my epiphanies. I think I have, I know I have four. I might have five. And that's basically all the epiphanies I've ever had. And you get about, I guess it probably averages out to one a decade. But I don't know if you have them when you get over 50. I haven't had one for, since probably the last epiphany I had was probably when I was in my early 30s. Because it happened in a bar. And that was a long time ago since I went to bars regularly for a few years. So uh, any, anyway, without getting distracted... What I'm saying is what I learned from Eric Thompson to really emphasize you can learn from other people. And the reason this is an actual thing to be understood is that, okay, yeah, everyone acknowledges that and knows that's true, but it's more powerful than you think. We are all very much ego-driven creatures. You ever see a little kid, they're beaming with, with great, huge, unbounded smiles when anyone pays attention to them. And that psychological state of, I want to be center stage, I want people paying attention to me, never departs from any of us. We all feel that we, we are all, for all the religious views of what we are, we are winning sperm. We won the race. We beat the other sperm to the egg. And, and that's just nature's principle. You know what happens now? I'm not a turkey hunter, but turkey hunting season is coming up. But I know a lot of turkey lore because I listen to turkey hunters talk to me and one thing turkey hunters like to do is really talk about the reason people love hunting so much is maybe it's a break from their job or whatever. They get to get out in the field. They really like being out in the fields. And if their health is good enough, they don't react to the leaves and the other horrible stuff the way I, for one, do, which is why I don't really like being outside except for fishing in that regard and why I don't hunt because I don't want, I don't want to poison ivy and, and just general reaction of vegetable material. But hunters just hunting is something that's really is is as much spiritual as anything not just that you're in the woods but you're part of something that's kind of ongoing and you're you become a little piece of of everything and it's exciting and if you do it right you just might get a result but it really is more the journey more about the journey than the destination with hunting but when you're when you're out in the woods, you'll observe a lot of different things. If you're out there before dawn and it's freezing and you're sitting under a tree, you know sometimes you might have an actual coyote walk up to you and not even notice you, and then leap backwards like three feet in the air, you know, like like a house cat almost. Or you might, uh, what you'll see in the spring when the turkeys are are mating, that's how they they set up and they. Uh, the way turkey society is structured, there's one dominant male and he does all the mating or as much as he can with the flock of hens that he controls and then there's the younger the males that are usually called jakes that are one or two years old that are not powerful enough to displace the dominant male it's you know like lions think of it that way but uh say the the dominant bird gets shot by a hunter and he's like wounded and lying there what will happen the, the other jakes will run up and start jumping on him and spurring him to kill him that's how rough nature is and if you think that that quality isn't in humans, you're you're not paying very much attention. We can we can overcome it, and we can work together with other people. But we are also still extremely competitive with other people, and that's for whatever reason that is how nature is set up. I've said many times 
it always seems to me maybe I'm over repeating, but then I still come across people who've never said what I've said. And I realize like, you got to, you got to realize not everyone pays as much attention to you as you do. And that's true for all of us in all spheres at all times. Like you may feel like you've said it a thousand times, but it's still baby necessary to say it a thousand more times. Understand what I'm saying? So I will say 99% of the species that ever existed on God's green earth are defunct. They don't exist any longer. You can't find any examples hopping and popping and breathing and, and excreting out there because they're on nature's scrap heap. They're on the ash heap of history with paleo-communism, to use Reagan's figure from back in the 1980s, which is now Jesus Christ, three and a half decades ago. They're dead. Yeah, they're, they're extinct. 99% of the species that ever roamed the earth are extinct. And yeah, I hear some of you tiny little cave crickets in Borneo or Indonesia out there. I hear you saying, hey, hey, pal, you guys don't even know about this yet. What, do, what are you to talk about all these species? You're discovering 15,000 new species a year. I think you're, hey, I'm not saying there have been millions and millions of species around and most of them are gone. So if whether you believe it's God or nature or whatever, there, there's some kind of competition that is continually churning out new products and retiring old ones. If you're not competitive, you don't last. If you don't breed, you don't last. And uh, nameless, faceless, motiveless, who knows? That's how it is. Now, why it is that way, the specific techniques of it, I don't know. But I think that's an important point. If 99% of the species that existed don't exist any longer, and you believe there's a God, then how the, how the heck can you say that God has any kind of problem with genocide? It seems like genocide is, is his, his basic operating system, if anything. <laughs> He's on genocide 1 million point oh, I guess, by this point. After all these uncountable, innumerable eons we've been through, according to uh, those who study uh, layers of rock. Right? But, uh... Co- competition. So... The big bird goes down, the jakes hop on him and kill him because then they got their chance to mate. And, th- and that's how nature works. It's very, very uh, harsh and cruel. Red in tooth and claw, as the poet has observed. We know that. I mean, I'm just saying, okay, you know, you can have your love and your brotherhood. Those are every bit as real as the competition. But let's, let's not kid ourselves. Both elements exist. And both must, to some degree, be valid. Because harsh as it may seem... The way the Jakes act, and and uh, you know, that there, there's there's something operating there that keeps, and without glorifying, I don't glorify it or think it's some kind of great thing. I mean, nevertheless, it does preserve a certain uh, rude vitality. Why vitality is always described as rude or crude or pulsing. Uh, it, it it keeps the genetic, the the basic animal physical health of the species intact which is what it takes to survive in in a in a in a often hair raising world and so we can observe it and think about it and reflect on it and draw from it and the point i was originally trying to make before i got distracted was we can learn from other people now we are all ego driven because we are the sperm that made it and we we all inhabit ourselves and we're what we know best and we're what we think about most of the time 
But we can use our brands to be aware of that. And if not to escape it, at least take it into account and correct for it. And so our impulse is to think we are really different and special and no one like us has ever, you know, a lot of people like us have been out there. We're not all that different from other people. And that's why we can learn from them. It's practically the almost unique to humans that we can learn from other people. What happens to other people will happen to us if we do more or less the same things. That's true. And it cuts both ways. People want to believe that, well, they're different and how these other people were chopped down or whatever won't happen to them, but it will. It's funny how we all believe that for something like if we saw someone walk off a cliff, we would never think, well, that's just him. I have special spring ability and my cool personality will prevent me from falling to my death the way he did. No one thinks like that. And yet in every other area of life where the lesson or the outcome is not so dramatic, we often commit that error of walking off the cliff as though we are different. You understand what I'm saying? You just hold that aside and think about that sometime when, when you're done listening to the pod. Think about that. Like, where am, where am I missing, like, my life if I'm having some problem? Where am I missing something that where I could look at what other people have experienced and draw the parallel to myself? And usually in, enough it will result in, like, you don't want to do something you should do for some emotional or some inherently invalid reason because it's hard or because it's difficult or painful, but but it may be necessary. Anyway, let's look at the story just a little bit more. And so, I want I want to I want to get a quote from Coots is about all I want. I don't want to labor on this story too long because you, you're you're aware of it. But uh, so in January 2013, Coots was caught transporting three rattlesnakes. <laughs> the man, <laughs> the the, rat, the rattle man act. Remember the man act? You can't transporting women across state lines for immoral purposes. He was caught transporting three rattlesnakes and two copperheads through Knoxville, Tennessee. Wildlife officials confiscated the snakes, and Coots pleaded guilty to illegal illegal wildlife possession. Now, there's a error in the report, but that's what they mean. He was given one year of unsupervised probation. Coots then said he needed the snakes for religious reasons, citing a Bible passage in the book of Mark that reads, in part, And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So that's that's the part that justifies. That that's why the holy rollers and holy and these these shakers, snake shakers, that's why they talk in tongues. That's why they drink strychnine, rat poison. That's why they shake snakes. This is how crazy people are. Coot said he took the passage at face. Uh, here you have. These people, the less literate they are, the more respect they have for. The less literate people are, the easier it is for them to believe that some passage that seems eloquent or austere or just somehow elevated uh, comes from the divine because they can't see any kind of writing as an actual technical construction the way a professional would. You can see like, okay, I, I understand what the author was trying to do and how he he achieved his effect they can't understand that like i've said the bible is basically a chocolate covered turd 
the contents of it, the, the soul of it, the spirit, the geist of it in German, right? The zeitgeist, the zeitgeist, the spirit of the times, or zeitgeist, as I've pundit, is a spirit of a place, but uh, the geist, the, the sickly Semitic spirit of the Bible, whether the wimpy New Testament or the detestable, despicable Old Testament, are, are felt by simpletons by Coots and, and et al. and his brethren to be people of Hill, to be, you know, oh, these divine, divine words of God coming down. It's not some book cobbled together by a bunch of Jewish criminals, mental criminals back hundreds and hundreds of years ago. It's, it's the divine word of God. Well, if you have the good book, you don't need any others. If it's not in there, it's not any good. It's the only book you need. And this is how these not very intelligent people think and so here's the result Coot said he took the passage at face value we literally believe they want us to take up snakes Coots told the Associated Press in February 2013 we've been serpent handling for the past 20 or 21 years after he was bitten Saturday night Coots dropped the snakes but then picked them back up and continued within minutes Wynn said Coots headed to the bathroom. His son Cody told the television station his dad had been bitten eight times before, but had never had such a severe reaction. Cody Coots said he thought the bite would be just like all the others. We're going home. He's, this is a quote. We're going home to go home. He's going to lay on the couch. He's going to hurt. He's going to pray for a while, and he's going to get better. That's what happened every other time, except this time was just so quick, and it was crazy. It, it was really crazy, Cody Coots said. National Geographic said in a statement it was struck by Coots' devout religious convictions. Despite the health and legal peril he often faced, the risks were always worth it to him and his congregants as a means to demonstrate their unwavering faith. We were honored to be allowed such a unique access, blah, 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 blah. Uh, okay. Um, The only thing left to observe here, the very last paragraph, is is quite interesting, or the last two. The Bell County attorney at the time wanted to prosecute under a 1942 state law that made it illegal to handle or display snakes during religious services, but the judge refused to sign the criminal complaint. If the court thought that a trial would act to deter future snake handling in church, my decision would be different, Bell District Judge James Bowling Jr. wrote to the county attorney. But you and I both know that this practice is not going to stop until either rattlesnakes or snake handlers become extinct. Now that's... That's an interesting attitude. You, you sure don't see that type of attitude very much in, in society. But, you know, I I agree with letting people do whatever kind of crazy thing they want. And, and I say that as someone coming from a Christian science background where we could get excused from uh, uh, stuff like scoliosis tests because uh, it was against our religious faith, even though I didn't personally share it. But I was excused from, from different tests because of a state laws christian science have gotten passed to where they they can opt out for their and i i believe in that i believe people should be able to do pretty much whatever they want uh to their kids and it's no one else's business i mean these these you have to allow you have to have more respect for nature than than christians do you don't have to admire or love nature anyone who says they love nature most of them simply aren't thinking and but the ones who actually mean it are idiots nature is not lovable Nature is quite vicious, Everybody, as much vicious as it is beautiful. So nature simply is, and you need to observe how it acts, not because you can break its rules, 
you can't by definition i mean it's tautological when people get into talking about well we have to live in line with you you can't act out of line with nature i mean it's not possible nature is the rules and conditions under which we live we have some degree of choice but the but never outside the limits of nature always with within the realm of, of what is physically possible i get tired of correcting these stupid intellectual mistakes but uh people want to wave snakes around at their services that's great let them do it but notice this too this is a point i made and i don't know maybe some of you saw me making a writing i'll make it here if you've ever seen video of these people they don't actually shake these snakes they lift them very gingerly very carefully and they they don't wave them they slowly sort of sway them back and forth very slowly now to me this is this is what's comical about people of hill so okay you're gonna you're gonna lift and wave you're doing it you're doing it awfully respectfully for someone who has unwavering faith that god is going to protect you because i i grew up i had a lot of snakes as pets when i was a kid and and you do not it's not pleasant being bitten by a snake it happened to me a couple times when they confused my hands for lizards that i'd i'd put in there to feed them a very very unpleasant to be bitten by a snake even a snake without fangs they have backwards curving teeth it's more unpleasant than being bitten by a cat which the cats have shredding ripping sorts of teeth snakes have like i say backward curving little teeth and lots of them and they're not it's not pleasant to be bitten by a snake let alone being injected by you know hypodermic needles and this guy was bitten eight times in survival rattlesnake bites don't usually kill people but there are things short of killing that that uh when they inject poison it's sort of the beginning of the digestive process and it can it can permanently mess you up as well as kill you those aren't the only a lot of things in life are not simply black or white they're gray and the gray all the gray in a snake bite is a bad area yeah a lot of times a lot of a lot of your tissue will swell up and then go back down eventually but sometimes there'll be permanent damage and so realize that these are not things to be played with but yet if if they want to do this more power to them that's these are true americans that this is how they live they're some of the people who created this country let them do it. You know, I don't have to tell people how to live. And uh, the other thing is when snakes bite you, they don't, it's not like they, there's some measured out portion of venom they're dispensing with each individual bite. It varies on how much they have in their glands and how hard they decide to depress, express it. Right, as you would express mother's milk through the, through the, the dug or the, the teat or the nipple. They express it from their, they, you can just look at them, you can see their power-packed snakes from the giant muscular-looking flexed biceps that appear to be hanging off both their jaws. Well, there's their, their friggin' poison, and they squeeze that into you as much or little as they feel appropriate or as they have generated at the time. So you're not going to get like one, you're not always going to get, you know, one-fifth of an ounce per serving, you know. You're going to get what you get. Well eight or ninth time this guy maybe they didn't bite him that hard the first few times this time they put a lot of venom in him and he was gone pretty darn quickly or they got it maybe in a slightly different place to where it was closer to his heart to get circulated through his body and uh, <clears throat> shut it down but yeah you know you mess with a bull young man you get the horns it's gonna happen yeah so he we can respect him for living up to his beliefs but we can also disrespect him for holding stupid beliefs both are perfectly fine. In any case, my song, 
was dedicated to Jamie Coots. Now think about it, people. When you die, is someone going to write a song about you? If not, then maybe you need to change the way you're living so that someone someone will want to remember you in a song. All right, now, our Pure Meat, Pure Gold show is 40 minutes in. Why don't we listen to a little more professional music just to make a little head break, and then we'll uh, we'll pick up with some of the... Uh, some of the rounder thread and discuss a little bit of that and it will it will tie into the the snake stuff and the faith and and the mission and uh let me come up with a song and we'll listen would you be averse to earring a little ac dc of mine on murder and the judge's gavel fell jury found him guilty gave him 16 years in hell
chasing That was uh, Jailbreak by ACDC. Okay, now we're back. Now, this week, uh, there's been a... Uh, right when I was basically kicked off the internet, um, you know, some guy shot up uh, something in Kansas City or Overland Park, which I think is a suburb of Kansas City. And it turned out they're claiming it's uh, Rounder, who posts on VNN and has for years and spearheaded our newspaper uh, project that we had many years ago. Um, and he has a long, pretty glorious history, really, in uh, Southern white nationalism, leading uh, the White Patriot Party clan. It, we have some of his history on the... Uh, thread in question at vnnforum.com I encourage you to go there and read through it I've made a lot of posts uh, talking to uh, various detractors and, and enemies and, and critics I don't deal with the controlled media or the junk media uh, since they uh, the, my last encounter with them was a bunch of lies they misrepresented who they were they acted like I was hiding out or skulking rather than saying the same thing I do to Jews as I do to non-Jews as I do to anyone who asks and I backed my position and uh, they um, three or four there's so many lies I said you know what there's no purpose to this I'm not dealing with these people ever again unless I unless uh, pure paper play basis unless I get something and VNN gets something out of it we're not doing it you need the quotes to fill your paper you're not getting them from me go go run around to the, one of these idiots who is willing to uh, denounce and distance himself from any white who dares to fight back in any way I don't do that I'm remaining loyal to my beliefs and people who've been loyal to me and I think that's important just the way uh, Mr. Coots was loyal to his particular faith and uh, let the man in question explain his actions And if it comes to a trial, you'll see that Rounder is one of the more eloquent, learned, personable men you're going to meet. And he posed a genuine danger to the Jewish criminal racket running the United States because he had both a military background and 
He's a very extroverted, very political man, able to get along with people, really likes other people much more. The average uh, white nationalist or right winger is kind of a prickly, private, leave me alone. To, I'm that type. I'm sure you can pick up. I, I don't particularly you know, like you know, glad handing and getting out there and meeting the I, I like a little of that from time to time, but Rounder was a genuine Rounder is a genuinely personable, outgoing, extroverted social animal in the way that really works well in, in democratic uh politics. And, you know, he would have a word for everyone. He he doesn't mind being openly, overtly hostile to uh, those who are opposed to our race. And that's admirable. He's not a skulking coward like most white people have trained themselves to become, where, oh, I can't say what I really think, and cringing and, and whimpering. And this is this is what our race has been reduced to. We can't even call a fag a fag without being thrown in jail for it. Why should we live on those terms? We shouldn't. Rounder didn't. Rounder, Rounder fought it more ably than pretty much anyone. They had to actually pass laws against the guy. He was so persuasive and elegant and, and so tirelessly energetic. That That's the other aspect of him, just super energetic, always on the phone, always calling people, arranging things. He arranged all kinds of rallies. Very, very proud of the rallies that he, he uh he arranged in the South where he would get up to 500 people. I think he had uh, bearing arms marching down the middle of the streets with the, the proud Confederate flags. I mean, you can read about Rounder's career and his, his uh, exploits at whty.org. And he was involved with the order, for good or for bad, as it turned out. And many people think he was the bad guy and how he acted but my interpretation was always that he was he was the sinned against not the sinning party in that because they destroyed his organization they created the problem by coming to him in the first place now he willingly took the money he said but uh he wasn't the one who ratted them out. They ratted him out. And there, there there, was nothing left to rat when he got on the stand. But I'll leave that aside. People have their opinions of it. And I will say personally that I I can't speak to what Rounder did. I don't, I don't know what the deal was in this specific circumstance. You know, I read the controlled media reports, but they're almost always wrong and always, always dishonest and biased against anyone who has any kind of white <coughs> pro-white views <coughs> excuse me so I don't really believe anything they have to say and I've mostly read the, the, our thread at vnnforum.com and I've read on a couple of other white or southern sites I've read what people have to say but you know I can't speak to what happened or nor do I even particularly have an opinion on it what I can speak to and I do have an opinion on is Rounder is a loyal, dedicated, selfless man who has fought for this cause and worked for it more selflessly with more dedication, enterprise, and initiative than basically anyone I've come across. And that's why he he's not even allowed to live in the South. That's how afraid the Zionist-occupied government, that is the Jews running the U.S., 
and the, the white skin sellouts, traitors to their own people who uh, are their accomplices. They're so afraid of, of his organizing ability, his charisma, his ability to attract other people, that they won't even let him live in the South. They've, that's why he lives in Missouri. He's from North Carolina, I believe. That's where he would be living if, he were, if this were a free country. They force him to live outside of his, his own state, his own, his own area. They're so afraid of his ability to organize. That's a, what, what testament can I give to the man that's, that's greater than what his enemies bestow on him by their hatred of him and their fear of him and their passing illegal laws against him? They also passed a, a, some kind of paramilitary law against him. Of course, it doesn't apply to Jews who famously use AK-47s and, and other uh, assault weapons in their training camp for their youth in the, the uh, upstate New York and other areas, and Muslims do it too. But God forbid white men come together with guns. That has to be made illegal. They're dangerous militias. God forbid white men. See, this is the, this is the fundamental conceit here. White, whites don't need other races. We don't need Jews or blacks to survive. They need us. Without us, they can't do anything. Without them, we do just fine. So we have absolutely no incentive or need, incentive or need to have any political association with any other race. So if you're biblically minded, consider that the white Babylonian captivity. Let, let my people go. Let us go. I've said uh, as a sort of a gambit or a conceptual conceptual gambit, take the least attractive state in the, in the, the lower 48. Let's call it Wyoming. If you've ever driven across I-80, uh, you'll know how windy and wobegone Wyoming actually is. Take the least attractive state in the United States set it aside, make it a reservation for white racists, justify it by saying, well, this is what whites did to redskins, which is somewhat true. And then say, this is going to be white racist only, which is pretty much redundant from the way the powers that be look at it. And then uh, see what happens. And what will happen is you have the greatest land rush in human history. As whites are like, oh my God, I can finally move somewhere where I don't have to live around uh, useless muds. And Wyoming will become the most functional, richest, most attractive state in the Union, even though geographically it's not that attractive unless you like uh, mountains. But uh, the Jews won't do that because they know well that their diversity myth is a deliberately concocted lie. And that's why they're busy shipping Africans out of Israel, even as they encourage the U.S. to import them to the very whitest areas. They're complete and utter hypocrites. They know what they're doing. It's only some of the delusional liberals and the Christian idiots who believe that the, the, the slogan that diversity is actually is a strength. The elite know that diversity is a weakness. That's why they live in white areas. And they, if they're the Clintons, they live in Westchester, the whitest area of New York, or they live in uh, Israel, which is all Jews. But uh, for you, they prescribe forced mongrelism forced race mixing, forced enduring of various horrors. What kind of horrors? Well, let's go down some of the hush crimes that happened the week that uh, Rounder supposedly shot up this uh, this this Yid Center, or I guess around it in, uh, in Kansas City. Well, hey, here's one. And this is stuff that is not talked about nationally. It's just, it's just stuff that, you know, happens. And we'll, we'll go through a few of these cases, and that will comprise the rest of today's sermon. And I'll probably record another podcast in a couple of days. I got more to say 
I still have a whole spiel I want to give on America's excessive belief in authority and faith and expertise that I have collected a number of stories from that is evergreen material, always relevant. Anyway, here, here, here's one guy. Have you heard of this guy? Bruce Wimbush. That's the name of the nigger who attacked the white man 50. Okay, here, here's what happened. So the white man's driving along and he's in nigger town, I guess, somewhere around Detroit. And a 10 year old nigger hops out in front of his car or his truck and he hits him. So being a white man, oh, he, it wasn't his fault, but he still wants to help the guy. So he jumps out to help him and he gets attacked by a gang of niggers and beaten very badly. I'm not, I haven't seen anything in the last couple of days, but uh, he was, they've actually charged one nigger, Bruce Wimbush Jr. with assault with intent to commit murder. So this g group of niggers jumped on him as he's trying to help this little nigglet who jumped in front of his car. The, and uh, that's that's how blacks act. You have to be careful. We've seen also recently in in Louisville where they have swarming teams of niggers that that go down to I forget the Riverfront or Waterfront Park. What what they it's like every area they haven't they have an area that attracts tourists or that's the theory. And then once the white tourists show, then you start getting gangs of feral niggers from the housing section come and molest them. And in that case, I think we may have talked about in one of these podcasts, the white man, white woman, bunch of white kids in a car, the white man makes a mistake amid a gang of these niggers of getting out of the car, and then he, lucky he got away with his life from making that mistake. You don't want to, if you got to run niggers over, run them over. I mean, you, you if they're threatening your life, you have every every reason to defend yourself, particularly if you're with your wife and children. Because these niggers are absolute animals, and the fact that they're young or female, they're every bit as much animals. They absolutely will attack like animals. They don't give a fuck. They've been trained by the Jews who, who control the textbooks and, and indoctrinate the teachers that they listen to in their public schools that whites are evil and whites are oppressing them. And then get some back, they will. And they know when they're underage, there are very, very few consequences for nearly everything that they do. Remember, in this country, the average time served for a murder conviction, seven years. Average time served for rape conviction, three years. Think about that. Only a tiny percentage of the actual rapes are even reported to the police. So there's a multiple... For every... I mean, I don't know what the actual number is, but say one of every five rapes of a white woman is reported... And then only X percent of those are ever solved. And then only X percent of those are convicted in due time. And they only do on average three years. So basically rape being, say, the second most infamous or, or terrible crime is something that can be, in, in point of fact, carried out almost without any risk to the offender. Particularly when the offender is black, underage, whatever, and he, know, he knows that he can basically get away with this stuff. They're going to do it. They're going to know the media is going to cover for them. They know whites are intimidated. They may not understand the ideology that I'm going into and the rationale for it. What they know is the what the communists used to call the correlation of forces. They know the minute the white man appears weak, they react like any other animal species would. They, they move into seize advantage. Just like those turkeys I talked about, that when their leader appears weak, the younger ones jump on him. Now they've got their time to breed. The minute the white man appears weak, the nigger comes on strong. He doesn't care that it's that the Jew is holding the white man down. Whatever the reason is, 
he seizes an advantage from it. And that's what these niggers are doing all around the country. They're invading these stores and stealing stuff. They're attacking white people, knowing the media won't write about it. If they do get caught, there was a gang of them doing that. What are they going to do, write them all up? They never do. If anything, they get they get politicians come out and make excuses for them. And they need more midnight basketball. They need more social services. They need more jobs. But niggers don't want jobs. Niggers want drugs and uh, sex, willing or unwilling. We've seen the case of Darren Sharper. You know, NFL nigger paid millions of dollars. He's still into raped all kinds of women. Paying people money doesn't turn them from a nigger into a human being. They're still niggers. It just makes them niggerier. So anyway, so this white guy, 54-year-old, well, gets out of his car, and a group of at least six people descended on 54-year-old Steve Utash. I'm going to pronounce it. Uh, after the accident Wednesday, uh, Macomb County's Clinton Township was severely beaten and hospitalized. And so, read the comments. And I posted this on VNN in our Hush Crime Center. Our Shannon, Shannon Christian and Chris Newsom, who are two white kids who were raped, tortured, and murdered by a bunch of, of niggers in Knoxville, Tennessee, that we held a rally about years ago. And in their honor, I've named it the, I've named a subset of VNN forum for them. And in there, we record hush crimes, which are crimes committed by blacks against whites that are hushed up by the Jewish media. And notice, unlike these idiot conservatives who are or white racialists who are simply conservatives with a racial veneer, hush crime covers all black and white crime. doesn't matter what the motive is. Jews created hate crimes, as I've said before, as a way to distract attention from real crime, which is committed by blacks against whites hugely disproportionately. Whites rarely go after blacks to commit crimes. Blacks usually go after whites to commit crimes. Interracial crime is completely dominated by white. I mean, to the exclusion of, like, interracial rape, which didn't exist before civil rights, before 1960, before 64, when civil rights was put in, there was almost no interracial rape. Now there's 20,000, 30,000, 40,000 white women a year raped by niggers. That was the intent of civil rights. You, you, a general rule of life is you can't ever be too cynical. Idealistic people do exist. Ideals do exist. Following them does form a portion of human behavior, but as a general rule, you can't ever be too cynical. If something happens repeatedly and goes unremarked and uncorrected, then you can believe that was the intention of the people who created or passed the law, who are refusing to acknowledge reality's feedback loop and correct for it. We put a trillion dollars into nigger welfare, and they're still niggers. Now, there's something essential going on there. Race isn't just a social construct. Race is something biological and very, very real. And when they don't write honestly about the new crime the whites have been exposed to because of this general loosening and, and this allowing niggers, this forcing of niggers into human areas, there's a reason for that. It's because they intend, to dist- they intend the result. They knew this result would happen. They wanted this result to happen. It has happened. They cover it up. Utah is one of a million victims, and none of them get any publicity. But if someone with white racial views goes out and commits what they call a crime, why, that will be all over the media, and the president will express his remorse. The president didn't send any message to Steve Utah about how he's sorry his 
black nigglets who look just like his sons attack this guy for no reason other than trying to help some kid who'd jumped in front of his truck. Did Obama have anything to say about that? Of course not. Oh, here's a, here's another. This is these are just random stories. There's all kinds of them. Minnesota man recovering after getting shot three times by a useless nigger. Well, I added that last part. You know, you wouldn't read that. And and there there's two pictures. One is of the useless nigger who shot this guy. The other is of the white man re- recovering in a hospital bed. And he's got a thumbs up. That's okay. That's cool. The nigger shot me, but I'm over it. I'm getting over it. I know everything's fine. You know, they they do everything to portray. This is horrible. The guy's, one of his arms is totally wrapped up. He's going to require intestinal surgery. But no, they they make it look like, oh, that's cool, man. Nigger shot him. He was a little angry. That's all right. You know, that's what the media are trying to convey by this. Like it's some minor thing. So what happened? So this guy was in a bar and apparently a nigger came in with a couple underage girls and the uh, bartender or bouncer, whatever this guy, his name was uh, Gackstetter. Let's see. Gackstetter is recovering at a hospital in St. Cloud after getting shot twice in the abdomen and once in the hand. Gackstetter has already had surgeries to repair his intestines and bladder, and in his most recent video says his hand will also need surgery. This is because he said, hey, those girls are underage. They don't get them out of this bar. Maybe he made them go to the door. Then the nigger pulls out a gun and shoots him. Courtney Terrell Holmes. One of literally tens of millions of useless niggers like this who are all have hair trigger personalities, IQs that are about the level of a human shoe size. And this is how they react to anyone who disses them. And we we treat these people legally. We put them on a plane above ourselves. How absolutely crazy is that? Absolutely crazy. And people wonder why am I against Christianity. Christianity is the one that says every nigger like this Courtney... Christianity is simply opposed to reality. God's created reality. I like to put it to emphasize the irony. They don't even respect what God created. God created niggers like this. A, then why do you worship him? They claim, per their dogma, that this Courtney Terrell Holmes has an everlasting, eternal soul of inestimable value and worth. So that we can't ever treat Courtney Terrell Holmes and his ilk as some sort of undifferentiated mass we were wise to protect our society from. We must treat them as valuable individuals that for some reason lost their way. And they need our love and support and endless tax money to get them back on the right track. Even though niggers nowhere, anywhere, ever, at any time in recorded history, we're on the right track. Because they're biologically, they're a different species. They're animals compared to us. We need complete and utter separation from blacks not trying to fix them or cure them they're they're, they don't have a problem or a defect they're just a dangerous wild animal to us and all that matters is what they are in relation to us what they are in and of themselves who cares about they don't have anything good or valuable in them christianity is purely a myth and it's a dangerous myth the kind of society you want to live in christianity makes impossible because of its moral dogmas Remember, it's not just these Christians in America. It's the Pope out there siding in solidarity with these African invaders who are poised in the hundreds of thousands on the south shore of the Mediterranean to come over to Lampedusa where the Pope is down there commiserating with them and mingling with them and supporting with them, demanding they be integrated into Italy where women don't even give birth anymore. They've forgotten what their vaginas are for, what their wombs are for. You know, Catholicism brings life into things. 
People had babies under Nazism. They don't have babies under Catholicism. It's a death cult. It's a sicko death cult. And that's why it works so well for the Jews. That's why the Jews have never tried to destroy Christianity, because it's so useful to them. If they, only if it were actually destructive to them would they, would they try to destroy it the way they tried to destroy Nazism. Because Nazism wasn't something that could be convert, subverted. It was something that actually fought the Jews and was posed a real danger to them. But your average white nationalist does not have a subtle enough mind to grasp the difference so that anything the, the, the Jews criticize must be good and anything they praise must be... I'm sorry. Any, anything that they criticize must be, in, must be good for whites. They can't differentiate between criticism or mocking versus attempts to actually destroy, even though the, the difference is pretty darn gross in how they treat the Catholic Church compared to the, treated the Nazis of old, the, the white or right racialists today of any, whether Southerners or American Nazis or, or people like me of, of my particular school, white nationalists who aren't Nazis but who favor a, a, racial, uh, a racial nation. Race is the basis of a nation. And that's why we need to upgrade the intellectual sophistication of the average white nationalist so that they understand that you can be Christian or white, but not both. They're inherently opposed worldviews, and they can't be reconciled. And the man who says they can is chasing money. And that's the only reason he says that. And the ones who aren't chasing money, who aren't the professional idiot mulcters, are simply confused. They don't think that ideas really matter, so they're not bothered to by any contradictions they don't even notice the contradictions but I've gone on into all that at different times and places I'm not going to belabor it today we've already gone on for over an hour I'm going to go on a few more minutes mention a few more a few more uh, of the crimes that went on this week that should be being talked about that that aren't you know I've got a lot of media requests to talk about rounder and I I use them to advance our white racial purposes by mocking the people who contact me or ignoring them because I don't have anything to say to them. They mean us no ill. We get no advantage out of talking to them. They're just a bunch of Marxist, anti-white, Jewish, or Jew tool liars. They profit from attacking our cause and lying about our, our people, and they get nothing from me. And they can run around all these other idiot white nationalists who, who gleefully and for free supply them with uh, material to bash our race, and those, those white people are idiots. You shouldn't listen to them. You should ignore them. They ought to know better, but they don't. They're fools. So they 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 confirm all the media's stereotypes and biases against our kind. And if they were smarter, they would either demand payment to participate in bashing their own cause, or if they were even smarter than that, they would just shut the fuck up. But the, you know, we don't worry about them. They're defectives, and they'll they will uh, reap the rewards of their own stupidity. So here's another here's another crime that you're not going to that no one is contacting me from the New York Daily News or from the Associated Press or from the SPLC to talk about. This is a smirking, stupid ass teenage youth nigger grinning in front of the cops in handcuffs. You know, oh, what what happened? Well, a white guy was out for a stroll. White man named Nathan Trapezano. Has, has your newspaper reported about Nathan Trapezano? Picture of him. Nice smile, cleft chin, got his hands around his wife's belly. She's very heavily pregnant. He goes out for a stroll one night, and this, this smirking 16-year-old nigger shoots him, kills him. 
as our black president called Nathan Trapezano's wife and said, I'm really sorry that someone who looks like my son murdered your husband so that your your child-to-be will grow up without a father. I'm very sorry about that. We blacks are deeply ashamed of the behavior of our race, and we're really going to try to... No, he hasn't said any of that. He doesn't give a shit about that. He's glad about that. One more fucked-up white family. The, all the better for, for these simians and the Semites who lead them and who force them into our communities. They're only interested in covering when white men dare to fight back. That's all they care about. They don't want any resistance to their plan to wipe our race out. Yeah, now everything I'm saying can be documented in the enemy hostile media. You know, they, this is dug out of, again, you know, uh, one of the conservative sites does dig it up. I'll give them credit. But uh, a lot more people out there nowadays are talking about this kind of stuff. It's very widespread. It's It's only limited to local coverage. It doesn't become national news because the media are controlled. They're controlled by anti-whites. Those anti-whites are dominated and led and have their agenda set for them by Jews. That doesn't mean everybody in the news is a Jew. Plenty of people are not. A lot of face people are not. It means their agenda that they're pushing is set by Jews. So that if, say, Rounder or someone who's a white racialist shoots up a place, immediately anyone he praised comes under one of the Jews' big tactics is guilt by association. So because Rounder praised a Jew journalist who has dared to criticize Israel, Rush Limbaugh apparently was going after him. This, this is how servile these white sellouts like Limbaugh actually become. You know, they, they attack anyone who offers any honest facts about Israel or Jews. They, 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 they're, and because they're the little dogs, they're like, it's funny, like a friend of mine, I remember him saying this back. He was actually not a white guy. He was an Indian guy. He said this back in college, observing it. Like, it's often like the people around, not the actual people in the center, like the football players who are produce the stereotype, as much as like the people around them who are like doubly hard in, in that stereotypical direction. And that's kind of the way it is here. There is no greater partisan bigot than these little, these little white she lapdogs like disgusting Rush Limbaugh who just gleefully, viciously, far more than even the Jews themselves, go after anybody who dares to question the big dog, their master, big Jew. And what a, what a pathetic, pathetic person Rush Limbaugh is and, and Sean Hannity and the rest of these, these, uh, these sellouts, these traitors to their own kind. They really are worse than the Jews. The Jews are at least manly enough to where they represent their own interest. They're, they're tough enough to hate and to fight back, but the white Christians just sell out. That's why I'm saying there's so few Christians who are principled. They're just, they're utterly, their principles never come in the way of their acting against the agenda set by the powers that be. That's what you'll notice more than anything else that, gee, you know, you got all these principles, but you don't live by them. They're always they're always perfectly in accordance with the stuff the powers that be are doing that are actually wrecking the kind of nation you claim you want to live in. You don't like the culture, but you won't ever blame it on the Jews who are producing this culture. To the extent you even notice it, that that these things have actual sources, you'll call them Germans when they're Jews. 
like like Hitler kicked them all. He kicked all the Frankfurt School out of Germany, but you'll always call them Germans. You won't ever call them Jews. You have no courage. It's like that is the defining feature of a, of a Christian. They don't have courage. They don't have the courage of their convictions. They don't live the way they say they should. It's just all external show, and it's it's all caving in. I've seen many situations in life. I've seen maybe one or two times where I saw a Christian act in a principled way, and I could give you hundreds of times where I've seen Christians act in unprincipled ways. And it's, it goes above and beyond the, the natural hypocrisy that all all hominids exhibit. It, it, it's, it's something wrong, inherently wrong with the cult itself. And that's what, one of the reasons I'm so opposed to it. It really is a dirty, low thing, and the worst thing that ever happened to the white man was the adoption of Christianity by some of its rulers and having it forced on, on the little babies and the other kids. We need to let it die. It's, it really is a sick thing. It's very, very destructive. And that's why Christians are not welcome at VNN. I mean, I don't, I don't go on witch hunts and round people up, but, you know, if it crops up, I'll get rid of it. I don't want it there. Take it to your church. You have racial feelings. You, you need to, A, you need to sit back and reflect on the incompatibility of the racial worldview and the Christian worldview. And decide which team you're on. Are you on Team Team uh, Jesus? Are you on Team White? We're on Team White. We're fighting Team Jew. And if you're on Team Christian, you're 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 a house divided against itself, and you can't stand. And I don't care what your opinion is different from mine. My opinion is right. You're either on Team White. You're on Team Team Jew. And if you're a Team Christian, you're on Team Jew. So, get out of VNN forum. You go clear up your mental problems. <laughs> And, and yeah, like like I always say to these people, you go you go a debate your you, you're going to bring your your Christian bullshit into my forum. Well, how welcome are your racial views in your church? Does your pastor stand up for that? Find me one white pastor, one preacher, one priest in America who will stand up for racial truth. I don't see any of them. Well, why should I allow them to spread their their gospel shit here? All a Christian does is degrade the intellectual level of whatever he participates in. Because idiots love banding about Bible verses. Like I said, it's a turd dipped in chocolate, a Semitic turd. And then the Anglo-white men wrote it up in, in pretty language so that it, it has a meretricious appeal of, of good poetry in a lot of places. But it doesn't hide that the heart of it is dog turd. Came out of a kike. Content, no good. To the extent the content is true, so what? Already known. It's not like a lot of these truths can't be figured out. It's not like people don't inherently know how to act. If you need a book to tell you how to act to get along with other people and live in a society, you're pretty pretty pathetic. That that shit is ingrained in us biologically, basically. It doesn't come from externally from a book. You know, that's why when they when whenever they have these wars and they do these studies, they find that most people didn't even fire their rifle. It's so it's so un humans are not just political animal, but social animal. They they like to get along with people, as well as be competitive with them. But they they, they don't want it, it. It's not in our nature to really desire a, as kind of the main course to go out and shoot people and kill people. We don't feel like that. We want to be social and convivial. And yeah, we're competitive and we have conflicting interests and we fight over them. But we're fundamentally we, although we disagree, we we. It's not a, our urge is not to go kill people, and that's why even people who've been trained to do it have a very hard time doing it, because it's not so natural to us. You see. Let's look at a few more. Well, here's another. Here's an example from New Bern, North Carolina, and when we're talking about hush crimes, I always remember the fellow 
I think his name was Eric Bish because he was from that neck of the woods and he was a grad student or PhD developing new strains of strawberries. And one day he went down to the post office and what happened, a, a, a feral nigger of about his 70 IQ, I mean like basically retarded, just shot him, just killed him. And this is a perfect microcosm of society as a whole. I and mean, what, what the Jews have done, what Jewish dictatorship means is that quality white people who actually improve the world by inventing new kinds of strawberries and such are basically, it's open season on them for these, these feral niggers who, who are subsidized out of white tax dollars. These niggers who, there's absolutely no place for them in advanced industrial civilization because they don't have any abilities. They're just useless mouths. Equipped with, and they have guns. They can walk around shooting people. They don't add anything to society. They purely detract from it. And we're supposed to treat them as our moral equals and our political superiors, our legal superiors, while we're hectored and lectured about white privilege. What ungodly privilege is it for an animal from Africa to be able to walk around here and be treated as legally superior to a white man who built the country and, and is, is functionally useful to other people? It's the most ridiculous and absurd thing in the world. And the only thing that keeps us from understanding this is that the media is completely enforces a cultic view the other way seamlessly you can't ever get the stuff i'm saying you don't ever hear that in the in the mainstream it means it makes a hell of a lot of sense and that's why the other side has to control the media to keep the common ordinary sense from popping up treating people like me as the bad oh i'm disfigured by am i disfigured by hate or am i giving you the simple factual reality of things i think i think you know the answer to that so this example from New Bern, NC, and let's just observe uh, sort of historically or demographically New Bern. So I guess maybe there was a Swiss settlement down there, huh? If you're a proud Swiss-descended American like me, you like to take note of such things. You won't mind my observing. Anyway, New Bern, North Carolina. I knew there were streaks of Germans down there. I didn't know there were uh, Swiss down there. But New Bern, I, I would guess maybe that comes from Switzerland. Maybe it doesn't. Um, <laughs> so... This nigger shoots and kills a cop and like a thousand other niggers show up at the uh, nigger criminal's uh, funeral. And one of those in attendance at the nigger criminal's funeral was the white mayor. Mayor Dana Outlaw. Well, let's start at the... Alexander Thalman is a is a white police officer that was murdered by career criminal Brian Stallings, a black male. Stallings also wounded a second police officer before being shot and killed himself. Mayor Dana Outlaw, who is white, and Alderman Kinsey and White, who are black, actually skipped the memorial for Thalman so they could attend the funeral of the cop killer. And uh, this is from topconservativenews.com. The the decision to attend the funeral for the cop killer appears to be motivated by race. Mayor Outlaw got elected by pandering to black voters. It seems he is willing to pander to the absolute lowest common denominator. Now, the question would be, I'll bet you anything, he was like these people who killed Shannon and uh, Shannon Christian and, and Chris Newsom, that he had a very long rap sheet. These, these niggers, this is the thing. You would go to these leftist sites and you read about white privilege and I mean, you look at the look at the record of these niggers and all the crimes they've committed. 
if you were someone like me, a white nationalist, whatever, you commit even one one tiny crime, you get busted for it and, 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 and get life for it. Even if you didn't commit a crime, you often get locked up. But even if you're not a white racialist, which is the most hated creature under the current Zog regime, even if you're just an ordinary white, you don't get the, the kind of treatment that these nigger criminals do. But you never hear about that from the anti-white left. But uh, yeah, so this guy's a long criminal record. I wish I could detail it, but, but uh, I don't. I don't have it in front of me. But yeah, I, I absolutely. There's very much a type. These guys are committing crimes all through their teenage years, and then in their twenties, they eventually grad, graduate to murder or some other more serious, where maybe they get thrown in jail for a few years. But I mean, in the end, what do they, what else do they have? That's what they do. That's what they are. They're of absolutely no use. They have no function. They are nothing but a pure menace to human society. And I will insist on that. Whites are human. Blacks are not humans. It's a great mistake to pretend they're humans. And Christianity is what what leads us to even consider that they are fellow human beings. They're not. And here's, a, here's another. Here's a name you'll never hear. You'll never wonder what this, what this uh, boy might have done. John Swoveland Jr., He's a two-year-old. He's playing in his front yard. All of a sudden, some niggers engaged in warfare sh- uh, shoot off their guns, and boom, he's dead. Imagine, uh, imagine all the effort, if you've ever had a young child, all the effort that goes into those nine months. What a strain it is. The woman's pregnant. Have the kid. You're buying diapers all the time. You're taking care of the kid. kid's finally a couple years old. You put in a hell of a lot of work up to that point. And uh, these 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 these. 50 IQ niggers driving around shooting their guns, boom, they've killed your kid. They're a beautiful little kid. If you see the pictures of him, looks like he had a lot of promise, had a, had a good future, and he's dead because we allow niggers to... We allow the Jews to allow... to forcibly sick these niggers on us and call us immoral and throw us in jail if we resist. This is absolutely outrageous and intolerable. And you won't hear about any of this. And we're supposed to react to, to white uh, round, Rounder went off. He went off because of sh- shit like this. Rounder, he's the hate that hate produced. And, he, and they, uh, ignorant people won't know where I got that. But the kikes will know damn well where that comes. Rounder is the hate that hate produced. He hates you for perfectly legitimate reasons, though you cover them up in your controlled media. Hate that hate produced. So these niggers that you stuck among us, kikes, who are bashing around, these niggers that you stuck among us are murdering white kids. They're, they're savaging and beating the face in a, of a white man who get out of their truck to help, help a kid who jumped in front of it. You know, They're murdering cops who are just simply enforcing the law. You cover all this up. You don't make a national issue of it. You let these niggers prey on our people. You encourage them to. You cover for them. Your accessories, not only after the crime, but during the crime and before the crime, because this all came out of your mindset. And more and more white people know this with every broadcast. They know what's going on. We are not going to allow you to get away with this forever. And you will pay a price down to the last one of you. The last penny that you stole from us, the last drop of blood you drained from our people is all going to come out of your hide. Believe that. You will get what you deserve. And again, you know, they said in one of the reports that at this Jewish community center, whatever, they're putting on uh, some musical or some play based on 
And th this is something I've long wanted to make a, uh, an issue out of. And I haven't gotten to it particularly, but it's the idea here is that basically every piece of literature commonly forced on students in American public high schools is intended to teach some leftist ideological lesson. The play or musical in question at this Jewish community center was to kill a mockingbird. Now, I don't know that Rounder knew. I, I would tend to doubt that he did. It appears this was some kind of possibly. And they said he was he was drunk. He was in a casino. I don't know. This is the thing. You can't you can't believe anything these reporters say because they are so totally dishonest. I came up with my third media law today, which is this is you know, I, I style them the three lender media laws and I'll give them to you right now. But the first law is that the readers of the controlled media are always to the right of the writers producers editors so whenever the media that's lenders law of lenders media law number one whenever you have any kind of a even semi-free exchange forum say in the comment section below a mainstream news article or video report you'll find that the writers the readers the commentary the people that the stuff is intended for are always to the right side or the white side of the jew controlled mass media and that admits of very few exceptions. It's not an absolute, it's a general law, but it's a general law with very few exceptions. The second rule is in, in the controlled media, Lenders Media Law Number 2, in the controlled media, the place to look for the facts or the truth or the closest the controlled junk media report is going to come to it is the second to last paragraph. Because like in a musical piece, they always go back to the refrain in the very, in the very last paragraph to wrap it up and reassure the lemmings that yes, yes. God is still in the sun is still in the in the heavens and God's in his place and all's right with the word and you're going to get your your fresh wood shavings and and your new your water bottle will be refilled don't worry little gerbils everything is nice and safe and that's what they reserved the last the last paragraph for but in the second to last you get just a little taste of the actual factual reality of the piece that they've reproduced off the template and the in the ideological bilge above Notice that. You'll see it. The penultimate paragraph, the second to last paragraph. My third media law, which I was thinking about today, is that per the ideology of the Jews, who are the, the leaders and the effective agent, as it were, the THC and the pot plant that is the uh, American media trying to induce a, a drug-induced haze over, over the readers, the active ingredient is the Jews and Per their ideology, humanity divides, just as the old communists, right? They had their, their good guys and their bad guys. They were ideological classes. So the capitalists are the bad guys, and the, wor the workers are the good guys, right? Well, in the way that that has mutated, and so it is sort of the, from the paleo-communist view of the capitalist versus workers, the proletariat versus the, uh, the capitalist, the way that that, the way that that has mutated is into the white men being the uh, the evil class. And the very evilest of those, of course, are whites who take their race seriously and realize that race has meaning intellectually and realize that it's a good basis for a political organization and who dare to, to confront Jews and the lies they spread and stand up for their race. So 
people like Rounder, people like the people at VNN Forum, people like me. Those are their most hated, hated group of people. And my, my third media law is that anyone who belongs to one of their hated, demonized categories, among which the white race, which is basically just a hate group to Jews, <laughs> the, white, the entire white race is basically a hate group to Jews. It's a, it's a cancer, as Susan Sontag, Jewess, called it. White men need to be exterminated, as Noel Ignatiev has said. And then their other ideologues have said, has said different versions of the same thing. But if you belong to one of their hated classes, like white nationalist, then all bets are off. They, they, if you're beyond the pale of civilized discourse, as William F. Buckley used to put it, then anything can be said about you. It doesn't need to be fact-checked. It doesn't need to be verified. It's just any epithet or anything they say, like they say a rounder was a, here's an example that uh, Varg pointed out today on the, uh, on the forum. They, Heidi Byrick, who was the main investigator with the terrorist group called SPLC. These are the people who produced the terrorist bombing at Oklahoma city and, and successfully got it solely blamed on McVeigh. But the SPLC was the ones behind it who brought in the agent provocateur and who had in various informants and who knew that the project was going off and actuated it. So they are they are legitimately described as terrorists. They are responsible. The blood of the 168 dead in Oklahoma City is on the SPLC's hands. So Heidi Byrick can simply write and lie that Rounder was a moderator at VNN, but he never was a moderator at VNN. But this is, I'm, uh, I'm not making a big point of this other than to say it's just an example of how utterly careless these so-called professional experts are when it comes to actual facts about anyone who belongs to a category that Jews hate, such as white males who stick up for their race. And they can just assert anything. Any, any kind of lie is good enough. They're extraordinarily, and while, say, most of their lies do advance their agenda, which is how you can tell that they're lying, about a third of them are just simply errors, which just tells you they're, they're sloppy. They're professionally very lazy people because they've gone so long without any honest opposition that they're never called on their mistakes. They don't get their fair share of abuse. They spend all their days abusing and lying about others. You see, and so a podcast like this is one of the very few places they will ever get any kind of opposition at all or anyone calling attention to the lies and the hatred that they spew. So that that's my media law, the third. So what this means is, though, although you can never believe anything that you read in any controlled media piece, because if you if they write about something so innocent as a neighborhood softball game, they get stuff wrong, and you know that. You read about anything you've been involved in, you'll see number of factual or interpretational errors that could have easily been avoided by actual brainful. Even when reporting, when you try to do it honestly, is not all of that easy of a thing to do. It's very easy to, people have limited background, they have limited knowledge of things, and reporting, you know, you, you, a lot of times you're, and I, that's what I've done professionally for many years, you know, in, uh, in trade journalism, a lot of times you're stepping into something where you don't have any background knowledge, it's easy to get stuff wrong, even if you have good motivation. And the best of intentions, it's easy to get stuff wrong, but if you add ideology on top of that, it just makes it that much harder, but even in non-political stuff, they routinely get things wrong. But when it comes to white nationalists, add deliberate lies to that, as well as this really bizarre 
lack of caring that they, they just don't get any they don't get any details right in this stuff ever that's why you absolutely can't trust what you read and least of all can you trust what they're going to write about something like what they're alleging rounder did so you know people doesn't want me to react or 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 talk about it or you know first of all you don't i don't react or talk or speculate about shit where you don't totally know the facts but in any case this is this is i it's not my actions i don't know exactly what rounder would have intended or or whatever that will all eventuate and if there's things to say i'll say them but right now i mean you know there's nothing particularly to be said about it what needs to be said is exactly what i've said on this podcast and that's talking about guys like this john swoveland jr who the who the fuck is going to talk about john swoveland jr if not me and you and us and we who is going to talk about john swoveland jr this two-year-old happy, bright uh, little kid playing in his yard, and all of a sudden he's murdered by these niggers. Who's going to talk about that? Who's going to talk about this this sellout white-skinned mayor going to the going to the memorial, not of the cop, the white the white man killed by the nigger, or to the bedside of the white man injured by the nigger, but to the funeral of this nigger who was who was who was shot after he he shot these two innocent white men. Who's going to talk about that? Rush Limbaugh going to talk? Well, Rush Limbaugh's not going to talk about that. Who's going to talk about Nathan Trapezano, murdered husband uh, of a woman who's very, very heavily pregnant, about to give birth? Who's going to? Is the president going to talk about that? Hell no. He's going to give sympathy to someone that uh, Rounder, Rounder might have injured fighting back. That's all he cares. He doesn't give a fuck about. It. He's glad to see white fathers murdered. President Obama is glad to see white fathers murdered. Think about that. That's the truth. Of course, he's not going to say it like that. He's not going to. He has to pander for white votes still. But that's what they feel. That's what he feels. That's what the Jews around him feel. That's why they pass the laws they do. That's why they're constantly trying to defend. They're constantly trying to blame white men for every social evil while claiming whites are privileged, while trying to make their free speech illegal claiming that white nationalism by itself with many white nationalists jumping to aid them was like the uh, utterly character characterless gormless weak ass lily-livered Brad Griffin trying trying to back the SPLC up you know what these guys would like to do ultimately they would like to say that people who hold the beliefs that I do that you do that any sane person does about race they want to say that those alone are prima facie proof of incitement they're tantamount to the illegal incitement to violence that's what they would like to say and they would like to use that as the basis to effectively make any kind of white advocacy as i'm doing in this podcast illegal and understand look at the global picture it already is illegal in most european countries to say the sort of things i'm saying it's already illegal i would be thrown in jail if i were broadcasting this from canada and people knew about it it's illegal to say what i'm saying and think have i said anything radical or dangerous or untrue hell no what I've said is simple common sense. It's facts and it's common sense. And I've drawn some inferences from all this stuff to say, here's what we ought to be doing as a race. Well, even to think that we ought to consider ourselves as a race with racial interest is inferential thinking that they don't want you to make. You know, William Raspberry, the black columnist, famous, famously said, white men must never ever you know, think in terms of, of, of their own of their having white interest and he was a conservative black columnist why because he knows he's smart enough to realize that if white men ever think in terms of their racial interest they'll realize what i said 
why do we have any political forced association to any other race? What do we get from Jews? We get destruction. We get lies. We get defamation of our racial character from Jews. We get the poisoning of our young with hypersexualization. We get our young exposed to niggers and their way of thinking, their, their animalistic behavior, their crappy music, their STD-ridden loins. The Jews are always encouraging our young women to mix with. This is what we get from Jews. What do we get from blacks? Just what I described. Why do we need any association with people of failure or the Jews who sick them on us? Well, we obviously don't. And that's why Jews keep people like me out of me, even though I have the credentials to be in the level of anyone on Fox or anywhere anywhere throughout the media. I can talk as well as they are. Every, every place I've ever gone, I attracted a huge followership, a huge readership, a huge listenership. Put me up there, see what happens. I'll beat any of them for ratings. Are you freaking kidding me? They have people like Piers Morgan on there. You think I can't beat him in the ratings? Are you out of your mind? What I'm saying is what people actually know and want to hear. And that's why it's more or less they like to make it illegal. And they have in, in the U.S. as they have made it illegal in most of the world, most of the white world, which is the part of the world that matters, at least aside from a, a few Asian countries. So anyway, you know, President Obama's not mentioning Nathan Trapuzano, you know, murdered murdered by this grinning, stupid-ass 60 IQ nigger. He's not mentioning Brian Stallings, the nigger who shot and killed one cop and uh, shot and wounded another. He's not mentioning mayor, white mayor outlaw who panders for black votes and shows up at the uh, at the burial of, of this uh, cop-killing nigger. And it's not like I have a thing for cops. I genuinely don't like cops, most of them. But that doesn't mean they have the right to be killed by some nigger. Uh, the, the white politicians should fawn over the nigger murderer, does it? We've got, you know, again, we have a James Gaxtetter. Keep him in mind. Who's talking about him? You know, a, a white man who says, hey, get those underage girls out of this bar. Nigger shoots him three times. He requires intestinal surgery. That's up in Minnesota. The cop killer thing is in North Carolina. The, the murdered baby, two-year-old... Uh, the, mur the murdered husband is in Indianapolis. The murdered baby, I think, was also in Indianapolis. Uh, you know, uh, going down my my list on my thread, I've got for hush crimes. I've got all the all the murders committed by blacks against whites in South Africa. Jesus Christ, I can't. We don't have enough time for me to run down the list and name them and all the hor horrible ways they were murdered by these niggers. Oh, here's another white woman, a horrible, bruised, livid face, face livid with bruises inflicted on her by some nigger who attacked her when she was walking around because she was walking while white. All this, this was in Dayton, Ohio, you know, all, all this stuff goes on, but it isn't reported by the kikes who claim that people like me are voices of hate. America's top hate groups, 40 most wanted haters. Am I preaching hate? Am I the one who sick niggers on whites and then failed to record the results and even applauded them and celebrated them? And believe me, I've, I'm not a conservative. I go all the way. They get actual real tobacco pleasure. I like to, I like to spin that, that media, that commercial line. They get real tobacco pleasure out of seeing whites 
kicked around, murdered and treated, raped and treated like dog shit by these coloreds. They get real pleasure out of that. It's psychosexual pleasure out of it. Just the way the conservatives get psychosexual pleasure out of submitting to the bigger dogs and, and selling out to them and serving them and lapping at their anus the way Rush Limbaugh laps at the anus of the ADL, laps at the anus of big, big Jew and big fag. They get psychosexual pleasure out of that, out of being submissive. I don't. I don't submit to anyone. I come from the, the line of Puritans. They're very disagreeable people, but they're very smart and they're fanatical too. I don't talk about that side of my heritage, but it's very real. We don't submit to these Jews. We don't submit to their lies. We see what they're doing. We, we don't like them, and we're going to get them. We are going to reclaim power for our race over them, and you need to join us on Team White. All these things, none of them are talked about. But Obama has time to make calls, you know, to, to one person that got shot in Kansas City, but he didn't give a shit about all these people killed by niggers, raped by niggers, attacked by niggers, little babies in their front lawns you can't even play in America. Maybe maybe John Cougar Mellencamp will make a song about that, little, little white and red houses for you and me. Little white and red bullet holes and little babies in front of pink houses for you and me, white man. You think, you think John Cougar Mellencamp will make a song about that? You think Jewish MTV will put it up? You think Rick Rubin will produce it? What do you think? Start to see how the world works? I look at other graphics, you know, beat Whitey Night at the Iowa State Fair. There's a shot of the cop's handwritten report. Of the 30, 40 individuals roaming the fairgrounds openly calling it Beat Whitey Night. Okay, that's Iowa. We, I've given you one Iowa. I've given you two Indianapolis. I've given you one North Carolina. I've given you one. Uh, I've given you a laundry list from South Africa. I've given you the one from around Detroit. These aren't even southern areas where most of the niggers are. These are northern areas except for the North Carolina example. Think about that. Any of you Southerners who think that people in the North don't know niggers, <laughs> a lot of them have up close and personal, even even grave site knowledge of niggers, very grave knowledge of niggers. You know, up in Minnesota, Christ, I forgot that. That's where the, the guy shot three times, the Gackstetter. He's up in Minnesota. The woman's beaten in Dayton, Ohio. The two-year-old murdered in Indianapolis. The the father, husband-to-be, hush-crimed in uh, also in Indianapolis, I believe. Or at least both those were in Indiana. Let me see. So I'm sorry, the Swoveland was in South Bend, and the Trapezano was in Indianapolis. So Swoveland, John Swoveland Jr., the little baby, is, is murdered in South Bend. And for those of you who think, oh, that's Notre Dame, those are wonderful, fresh-faced, clean-scrubbed Irish Catholic boys with their with their gold helmets and their football teams... Let me tell you, I, I would not have known this until I went through there. There are that place is reeking and full of niggers. The South, the Notre Dame part may be nice, and I haven't, I haven't totally seen the whole area, but there's plenty of useless niggers walking around there. And people think, oh, niggers are bothered by cold weather. Everyone's bothered by cold weather, but that doesn't stop niggers from walking around in parkas and shooting people. The entire rim of that lake is polluted with niggers. It's not just Chicago and Gary, Indiana that are famously niggery or even Detroit. That whole area, as we saw when we went up to Kalamazoo, there's niggers all the way around that rim. 
not saying there's not whites too, but there's a lot more niggers than you would think. South Bend, Indiana. South Bend is more or less in that area. It's a little ways inland from the lakes, but it's got plenty of niggers. And, you know, a couple of them murdered John Swoveland Jr. I keep repeating it because, you know, this this kid would have been somebody. He might have done something. He got, he got snuffed out for no freaking reason other than we have not stood up to the Jews and we've allowed them to sick these disgusting fucking animal niggers in our midst and prey on us. We are our cowardice is and our lack of organization and discipline is allowing these Jews to use niggers to prey on us while they mock us in the media. Are you willing to tolerate that? Why? Are you, are you willing to you, you fawn over Pat Buchanan, you subsidize him with your prayer and attention? Oh, he did some pretty good stuff. You fucking low rent, dirt eating, like Christian son of a bitch. You don't have any self respect, and I don't want you around me or my kind. We want people with self respect at VNN. If you're a Christian, you go fuck yourself. You're, you're a fucking dog. You're an anus lapping dog. You go find some other big dog and lick their ass. We don't want that kind of people at VNN. You priest filleting little bastard submitting to pedophiles that run the Catholic Church. That's what you're worthy of. That's what you get. You don't belong among us. You're not a man. If you're a Christian, you're not a man. Get thee far from VNN. That's that's my final word. And I'm so fucking angry right now when just thinking about how outrageous all of this is that I'm going to reprise my snake song. just to try to express some of my anger through they say make a joyful noise unto the Lord this is not a joyful noise but I feel a little joy in that a Christian idiot if I can respect him to the extent he was loyal to his principles nevertheless as Eric Thompson says principles protect people if you choose the wrong principles they'll kill you his principle was waving around poisonous snakes and he died because he chose the wrong principles. Which principles are you choosing, white man? As you listen to me sing this this old uh, this old white man spiritual that was just invented the other day, I want you to think hard about that. You know, which principles are you choosing to protect your life and your kind and your and your people and the things that you care about? Not just living, breathing people, but the connective chains through the generations and the patterns your people have forged and, and, and what's good. What do, what do you think about that? And I want to say one thing also. We've got coming up before I break into song to, to close this sermon. Thermopylae Day is coming up on April 20th. And the way we celebrate this in white culture is with a traditional white on white cake. White cake with white frosting. And then on top of that, we have three blood red candles. And that's the extent of the ceremony, except that that's the extent of the formally ordained ceremony. But what you can do on top of that is just give some thoughts to courage. And your duty is to, to be exhibit greater courage on that day in some particular area in your life than you would other days to prove to yourself that courage is valuable and, and it's a matter of will. And the, the point of this day is not only to honor the 300 who who saved Western culture 
and Greece by, by forfeiting their lives at the pass against a much greater force in Thermopylae. But, but just that, to emphasize courage and will are part of what make us a great people, and they're necessary. They're the mother of all the other, the other virtues we might possess. We don't have, yet, yet we have not courage. Courage is a force multiplier, and without courage, it all fails. And so, April 20th on Thermopylae Day, Thermopylae Day is a white holiday, and we celebrate with a white cake with white frosting and blood-red candles. Three blood-red candles to symbolize and represent the dead 300 at Thermopylae in Greece all those years ago and the courage that they exhibited and we seek to exhibit that courage in our lives, that integrity in our lives and our dealings. So keep that in mind. I'm going to take pictures of my Thermopylae Day cake. And it's also appropriate at that time, you know, if you have some readings or you can just do thoughts or you can, you can have some particular selection on the value of courage if you find a good one. And maybe you want to uh, share that with us on the forum. We'll have a, a thread for this. But... uh. For now, think about that. What principles are you choosing to, to pr protect your life and to live by, to exhibit to others, and, and to be a good guide for you? This will be another second rendition of Shake a Snake for Jesus. Put down your rake, pick up a snake. Now give that snake a healthy shake. Yes, yeah, shake a snake for Jesus, my friends, my friends. Oh, shake a snake for Jesus, my friends. If it's got coils and you've got hands for this small act, don't need amends. Yes, yeah, shake a snake for Jesus, my friends, my friends. Shake a snake for Jesus, my friends. Timber rattler, cotton mouth. Well, my blood pressure's headed south. A king snake or a corn snake just won't do. To satisfy the Lord divine, a poison snake's the only kind. To demonstrate your faith is pure clean through. So shake a snake for Jesus, my friends, my friends. Yes, shake a snake for Jesus, my friends. They lie upon the dusty ground, and yet they never let us down. So make your hands a helping hoisting zoo. Woo -woo the Lord won't bite, so why do you think different his pit viper fool? So shake a snake for Jesus, my friends, my friends. Just lift and raise and elevate and praise and even ulate. Yes, shake a snake for Jesus, forever, ever, ever loving Jesus. Yes, shake a snake for Jesus, my friends. Good day.